listening to an extra shot episode on the Project Zion podcast, a shorter episode that lets you get your Project Zion fix in between our full-length episodes. It might be shorter time-wise, but hopefully not in content. So regardless of the temperature at which you prefer your caffeine, sit back and enjoy this extra shot. And welcome to another episode of the Project Zion Podcast. I am your host, Brittany Mingleson, and today we are going to continue our Holy Ground series, which is a series where we talk to people about spiritual practices. And so today we are going to be talking to Nancy Ross, who has been on the podcast before several times, actually. Um, so, Nancy, why don't you just give us a quick introduction to yourself? What's going on in the world of Nancy. Hi, Brittany. I'm so glad to be here. So I uh, live in St. George and I'm a professor um, at uh, the university here. And so something that's new in my life is that this last week I was made the pastor of the Southern Utah Community of Christ Congregation. So that's pretty exciting and terrifying. So that's the kind of new stuff in my life. Exciting and terrifying. Mm -hmm. I I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited for you, though, and Thank excited you. for your community. So, like I said, we are going to be talking about spiritual practices. And so, Nancy, let's just dive right in. I am interested to know if there is a spiritual practice or maybe a couple spiritual practices mm -hmm. that help you best connect with God. Yeah. So, I would say that... Spiritual practices have been important to me for a really long time. Um, I used to be a kind of crazy reader of scripture. And um, there was a, t a couple years in my life where I would spend like an hour a day and I had this like really determined like practice of reading scripture. And that was really good for me in that moment. What I have found though, is that often I need different practices at different stages of my life and even in different stages of faith transition. Um, one spiritual practice that I had that was really complicated by faith transition was prayer. And um, as an LDS person, you know, I, I prayed, I prayed a lot and I felt good about prayer and I had experimented a little bit with like praying to like God, the mother or heavenly parents and just kind of settled on that, you know, a genderless God was kind of my preferred, you know, God language for prayer. But then um, in transition, prayer just became really tricky. I, you know, I was just like, well, what is, what is my theology of prayer? What does prayer do? Like, if I ask for something, you know, what does that even mean? Do I believe that God intervenes, you know, at different, at different levels? And prayer became really complicated. And so for a little while, I stopped praying and I picked up other spiritual practices and, um, that kind of filled a space. I tried to um, a little bit of meditation, which was nice. I tried writing poetry, and that's something I still do as a spiritual practice, which has been a wonderful way to connect. And even sometimes, um, you know, kind of writing out poems addressed to God, which was somehow I didn't see as prayer exactly, but um, was a really good spiritual practice for me writing. Uh, recently, I've been trying to get back into prayer. 
And I was encouraged by a friend to let go for Lent of my like not knowingness of what prayer meant or was, and just to kind of like embrace it and go with it. And I have been finding that to be really satisfying once again. It's just that I don't necessarily need to know what prayer does exactly, but I feel God in prayer and I feel connected to like my best intentions in prayer. And that that can make me feel grounded, even if um, I'm still not exactly sure what prayer is or what prayer does. That's really interesting. I, I really appreciate that you haven't settled on what prayer is. You know, it it doesn't sound like your spiritual practice is set in stone and Mm -hmm. refined and defined very clearly um, that it's still very fluid and can change and looks different. So how does prayer look for you now? Yeah. So in the past, in my LDS past, I never struggled to pray out loud and in public. That was just not something that was hard for me. Now I kind of do. I kind of do struggle to pray out loud and in public um, because I feel like as an LDS person, it wasn't that my prayers were a string of cliches necessarily, but there was a lot of like defined cultural language around prayer and that using that knowingly kind of, okay, it's like, this is a good prayer, you know, but now in community of Christ, just because my own theology has changed so much, Um, I haven't really necessarily created a new prayer language that I am comfortable with yet in public. I would say that a lot of, um, or if I'm going to pray in public, I usually write it out in advance. And I like that it's okay in community of Christ to like write out a prayer in advance to be like, okay, these are the things that I want to communicate. And I want to make sure I get it all in in a way that I'm happy with. Um, There was a time or two recently where I had not written things out and I thought it would be okay. And then I wasn't really happy with the prayer. And then it was like, oh, prayer fail, rubbish. But, you know, these days when it's just me, it it looks a lot like, dear God, I'm feeling this thing. This thing is happening. I want to talk about this thing with you. Like how help me find like my best self in this thing or help me to like find my way through the thing or to make peace with the thing. And um, I find that my internal prayer language is has lost all of the formality that my prayer language once had. Um, but I also find that just really grounding. Um, one thing that has changed in my theology is that I feel that God is with me just regardless. Like I don't have to be worthy of the presence of God, that um, God is just with me, just as I believe that God is always with you and God is always with us and that nothing that we can do can really change that. And that is such a comfort to me. And so now I feel like I can reach out and talk to God in a much less formal way and in a way where I am more confident that God is just there, you know, and that just feels uh, different and grounding and is uh, like a brief moment of reflection. Um, And that's really useful. I've just been surprised at how much prayer has changed kind of through my transition Um, but that's been really good. I think it's, it's really interesting. I resonated a lot with what you just said. I know that sometimes when I've been praying in public, some of those, and I guess our Latter-day Seeker friends will know what I'm talking about, but those like one liners that you always, always, always hear in Mormon prayers will start to come out of my mouth. And then I have this panic where I'm like, wait, I don't need to be asking for God's spirit to be with us. And I don't need to be 
asking that we take these things and apply them in our lives. I mean, like all these, I know. And then, and then I feel really stupid in the middle of the prayer because it's like my old self is coming out. And then I just, it's yeah. So I have, um, sometimes I've practiced writing prayers down, even if I don't have a prayer coming up, Mm -hmm. but I, I, I have found that if I try to write things just frequently, yeah. um, you know, maybe those phrases will be replaced by something else. But, and I think that, you know, it's fine. It's not terrible. Like if those things come out, but also, I mean, they can be theologically very different from where I'm at because I'm like you, I don't think that I need to pray for God's spirit to be with me. It's already there. It's already here. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to ask for it. And and that's, yeah. And that's absolutely, it's like saying things that I used to feel and believe, but with a new theology really don't feel and believe anymore that I kind of default to and, and you know it's and it's and then like in the pressure of that moment then it's like like okay prayer panic like <laughs> I need new phrases to reach for that I can find my way out of this hole but I like the idea that you would just practice writing out um prayers as like a way of practicing that language and a way of expressing yourself or like this is how I like to express myself in prayer and then just kind of write that out um because I find that when I write out my prayers beforehand it's not even hard. I say exactly what I want to say with the, with the right language, but I'm it, but without the pressure of the moment. And um, I like that idea. I am going to try and write out more prayers just for the practice of it. And that's a good thing to do with prayer. It's been helpful for me, but I also, it hasn't been perfect. I think there was, oh, it was maybe like a month or, or so ago. And I'm pretty sure that I said something like creator God. And then I thanked God for this day, but in like a very, very, you know, mm-hmm. dear heavenly father, we thank you for this day. Like it was very much <laughs> yeah. like your standard a- opening. Right. And then it just threw me off like completely. I, like it was done. It was the shortest prayer. Um, I think it may have been a prayer before a worship service that I was presiding <laughs> over. And I was just like, well, I'm done. <laughs> no, but, I t- but I totally get it because it's it's like suddenly something comes back at you and you're like, wait, I didn't want that. And, and the next thing you know, you're like praying to like nourish and strengthen people's bodies. And you're like, whoa, this prayer took a hard turn. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. And then, and then I feel like, like once you start kind of grabbing at like prayer language, it's just kind of down the hill from there. So so planning, you can plan a prayer, you can write out a prayer, you can kind of, you know, think in advance, like, what do I want to communicate here? What, what, what is, what is best for this setting? And I prefer to do that in like the quiet of a few moments. And that's generally how I can prepare for public prayers best these days. Yeah. Just bringing a little intentionality. And I think that that's how a lot of spiritual practices Mm -hmm. uh, end up being the most meaningful is just bringing even an ounce of intentionality to them. Yeah. Really transformative. Absolutely. So are there any group practices that you have found helpful? I mean, I know you don't have a ton of experience with being the pastor, but you were already... (laughs) often leading your congregation when your pastor wasn't around. So have you yeah. had 
experience with group practices? Yeah. So one of the things that I think that my congregation really excels at is sacred reading. Um, And that we typically use like a kind of loose Lectio Divina model and that that has just been a wonderful thing for learning to reread scripture outside of a more literal context um, and trying to read scripture a little bit deeper and kind of, you know, we will, you know, say if we're using the lectionary text, then we will read the lectionary text as a group because my congregation is very small. So it's usually like a handful of adults and some kids. And then the adult, you know, we'll read um, the scripture and then we'll talk about what is going on here literally. Then we'll try and, you know, say, well, what is going on here allegorically? Um, How do we apply this to our lives? And then what do we feel like the the passage is calling us to. And those are like four fairly quick questions, but that usually takes my congregation like an hour and an hour and a half to like get through. And, um, and is such has been such a powerful way to transform my own reading of scripture, which has for a long time just been like trapped in a, in a model that I wasn't happy with. Um, But then using the power of the group and the power of the spiritual practice to be able to, transform my own ability to kind of read scripture differently um to read it in a with a with a more open mind and not with like oh well this passage means this because you know i've had like 20 sunday school lessons on that particular passage and so i know how to you know and trying to let kind of the my reading baggage of the past go and embrace new ideas to be able to listen deeply to other people and how they are reading scripture and to be able to kind of you know, even crowdsource as a group, you know, what could this mean? How, how can we find God in the passage or what, what is the useful or interesting or connecting thing? And, um, and that's just been a beautiful thing that we have done over the last few years that I feel like my congregation is very, like, is really good at. Um, We're good at, at reading and discussing a passage together and, that has been one of my most favorite things about my congregation. We don't necessarily follow a traditional worship service because we're so small. So it doesn't make sense for like one person to preach to three other people. And cause that would, that would be a little awkward. Um, but this model has offered a lot of sacred space for us to kind of commune with each other and to kind of through the passage of the scripture, to be able to kind of weigh what's going on in our lives and, 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 and try to look for, you know, what God is calling us to, to do and using the scripture as a tool for that. So that is one, that is one thing that I have really loved. And I do this pretty much every week with my congregation and it's just a wonderful way to get to to know other people, to learn to read differently, to feel God in working in community. Um, just a really beautiful thing. Another practice that I don't necessarily get to practice so often, but when I do, I feel like it has a real power to it, is that um, sometimes with my Mormon feminist friends, when we are together, we will engage in blessing each other. And that I have found to be a tremendously powerful spiritual practice whereby people express their best wishes and hopes for someone um, in a group setting, kind of, kind of through prayer. And often there's like a holding of hands or kind of placing hands on shoulders, a kind of strong physical connection, and then expressing what we really 
love about that person and hope for them. Um, and sometimes offering some words of guidance. And some of my most powerful spiritual experiences in my life have been around these kind of blessing circles, um, Mormon feminist blessing circles, where we, it's often in the middle of the night, um, like at a retreat or at a camp or something, where we can really share very openly um, the beautiful things we see about each other and and what we hope for other people. And that's not necessarily something we do very much in real life. It's not like I necessarily, you know, in conversation, I'm like, hey, Brittany, I see that you have such a beautiful spirit. And, you know, and, 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 and you know, and, and, we can, and we can laugh now, but I can also envision a context where, yeah. where like, you know, where, it's, where it's, a, it's, a, it's a group of people who know and care about each other, expressing the good things that we see in each other and how we see the, those things connected to the divine and um, and how we love and support that person as a group. And those have also just been very powerful spiritual experiences and spiritual practices for me. And I think it's really significant that that one, um, mm-hmm. group blessings, group prayers, things like that, uh, they not only combined prayer, but mm-hmm. intentional relationship, which I think... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, greeting people and recognizing the God in all of us can be right. a spiritual practice and a very holistic way to live your life. Mm-hmm. And so if, if that's what your relationships, if that's a element of your relationship, I think, mm-hmm. you know, how much greater, how much more intimate is that friendship and that connection uh, with your fellow human? I mean, that's, that's really, really beautiful. It, it, it really is. Um, and I just just kind of wanted to add to that. As I was changing my own concept of God to understand that maybe for myself anyway, I understand God and maybe a more of a process theology way where God is like the strength of our relationship and community. Experiences like that really helped me to kind of not to just think, okay, conceptually I've changed my idea of God in my mind, but to be like, okay, like those moments are a very strong expression of God and of God's spirit and of God's um, love and, and, and us connecting to our love for each other and connecting to God's love in our community in, in a way that has been really helpful for me in faith transition to be like, okay, that God is present. God is always present, but that God can really reveal God's self to us in our moments of honoring our strong relationships or honoring our relationships with others and that's just been such a powerful thing for me that I've experienced. Yeah, that's really, really beautiful. And I think in particular, the settings that you have experienced it in, um, or just in any, any setting where people have been hurt by prayer mm-hmm. or authority or spiritual mm-hmm. practices, mm-hmm. Um, anytime that there's been any sort of manipulation surrounding God to reclaim that, reclaim prayer, your relationship with God, your relationship with worth and what it means Mm -hmm. to be worthy uh, and to, quote, have the spirit with you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's, I mean, there's just, there's layers of meaning there. So one thing I was wondering um, to jump back to the group spiritual practice of reading scripture in a very intentional and conversational way, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sometimes people can feel very jaded or burned out on Mm -hmm. scripture 
in the midst of a faith transition. And so I'm wondering if you have run into that and if reading the scripture, reading the scriptures in a more spiritual practice kind of way, has Mm -hmm. that helped people improve their relationship or repair their relationship with scripture? Oh, well, I can only speak for myself here, but it has absolutely helped me repair my relationship. One thing that we started doing a little over a year ago is that we started up front before kind of beginning our Lectio Divina process is naming what we call the constrained readings of a scripture. So say that we read a scripture and I realize that I have had like 30 lessons in my life on how to read a particular scripture in a way that I now find offensive and burdensome. And and I'm reading it and I'm like, wow, I don't even know how to like do this differently. And that's where community comes in. Community can often, you know, assist us as we're trying to read differently. But often now, before we begin that process of like going through a kind of step-by-step kind of layered reading of the scripture, we will often acknowledge up front constrained readings. So, you know, there are a few people in my congregation, myself included, will be like, okay, well, you know, when we were talking about this in Sunday school, when I was growing up or as an adult, you know, this scripture meant this. And I have another friend who grew up um, in a more conservative tradition, uh, not LDS. And she'll be like, you know, when growing up, you know, we would read the scripture like that. And then together we find, we kind of name that as like where we don't want to go. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're going to, as a way to like, okay, here's what we're setting aside and we're looking for new things. And really we're, look, we're looking for new things. I think sometimes, you know, we're, we're those readings, the new readings can be informed by commentaries, you know, stuff we can, you know, I really like the women's Bible commentary, like feasting on the word, um, the global Bible commentary, like some of these new readings can be informed by, you know, scripture, um, biblical scholarship, but new readings can also be informed by um, our own creative readings of the text or our own sensitive readings of the text. And so often our discussion looks like, a little bit informed by commentary and scholarship, but also um, using our values, using things like the enduring principles to help uh, find our way through the text in different ways. Um, you know, underst- having having a bigger understanding of Jesus and, and and using that as trying to using that as like a a driver, you know, through through a difficult text. I love reclaiming things that, you know, meant one thing long ago or maybe not so long ago and then reclaiming it and helping it be something healthy and productive and, mm-hmm. you know, forward moving. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like uh, these discussions that you're having with scripture have really been that. Uh, I, I do think it's good to acknowledge, you know, maybe where we've been and mm-hmm. what this scripture has been used how this scripture has been used to harm people and then make it very clear that this is the direction that we're going to go with it. And um, yeah, I I think being explicit about that is, is really helpful sometimes. So it really is because if we can name the problem, then we can, then, then the burden of kind of finding a way around the problem is in our own. We can kind of say in community, like, you know, I, I can I can read a particular scripture and be like, wow, I just cannot envision, you know, here's the constrained reading that I come with. Here's the kind of the reading full of baggage, you know, 
in my mind right now, when we read the scripture, just all the red flags were coming up. I can't find a way out of this on my own. And so many of our earlier Lectio Divina discussions kind of began like that. Like, I don't know how to do this differently. This, this is a problem. I'm reading that, you know, our initial reading of the scripture has all of like my backup and me on edge, you know, and then together, because we've been able to name what the problem is to then intentionally head in a different direction. And I think that that, you know, we can name the problems and yeah. that's, and that can be a healthy thing. Yeah. I think it's really, really helpful in the healing and reclaiming process. Mm-hmm. So you have mentioned some resources, um, feasting on the word, the women's Bible commentary, a couple mm-hmm. other commentaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but are there any other resources that you find particularly helpful when it comes to spiritual practices in general, any podcasts or books or um, anything like that? Yeah. So there is a prayer app um, that I have started using a little bit called Pray As You Go. And this was recommended to me by my friend Gina Colvin um, and some others. And I think that getting back into prayer and having some encouragement just to like, don't worry about what it means, you know, like, you know, just to kind of, just kind of jump in and see how it feels. And if it's not the right thing, you know, no, you know, you can kind of move on and find a different practice or not right now, you know? Um, but I think having a supportive community to, which is trying to be intentional about spiritual practices. Um, I belong to several different Facebook groups, which are trying to be intentional about spiritual practices and spiritual formation. And I find that I just get a tremendous amount of good advice, you know, from people who are often, have a different perspective or who are, who are also really trying to be very intentional about their faith journey. And so um, that's been really useful. I've also recently started seeing a spiritual director um, and a spiritual director can be great for suggesting spiritual practices to help you kind of work through whatever you're struggling with in the moment. And um, that's also been just a tremendous resource for me. I, uh, have really been intrigued by the idea of spiritual direction. And I know that all of my friends and people that I know who have engaged in that kind of work, um, being guided and helped from a spiritual director have really, really benefited from it. Yeah. I I would absolutely say that I have benefited tremendously from spiritual direction. That's awesome. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm actually very intrigued, but I also hear that there aren't very many spiritual directors in my neck of the woods. I think Mm -hmm. it's slim pickings up here in Salt Lake city. (laughs) So I have to say, so it's, I don't think we necessarily have a plethora of spiritual directors here in St. George. I actually do spiritual direction through zoom. So I do a distance spiritual direction and I would say that that has worked out really well for me. I know that often people see a, an intimate face to face connection or in person as being ideal. Sometimes that's just not what's available to us, but I have still found distance spiritual direction, which is done through a video, which is kind of how I'm talking to you now Yeah, um, um, to be really useful and valuable. um, Even if we're not physically sitting in the same room. So I did not realize that was an option, but I guess it makes sense. And Mm -hmm. Sometimes I really love technology. That's right. I mean, the vast majority of the time. 
No, right. Because, because I don't think, and I've looked up spiritual direction organizations and I've not really seen that available in my area. And so for a long time, I thought that that wasn't available. But as I started talking to some other folks, I got some suggestions for someone who can do it um, at a distance and is very skilled in doing so. So that's been a really wonderful experience for me. That's amazing. So, Nancy, are there any final stories that you want to leave us with or any final tips or just anything to wrap us up? Sure. I think one thing I would want to say is that there is no like one true spiritual practice and that the best spiritual practice for you is whatever is working in the in the present to kind of help you feel grounded and connected to God. Um, to God and community and to maybe your best self um, and that that can change, you know, and that we can experiment with spiritual practices. Um, I feel like a, a good chunk of what I've been doing in the last year is just experimenting with different spiritual practices to find out what's working for me in my current stage of faith transition. And, you know, there, it doesn't have to be one thing that just works forever in the same way. I really appreciate hearing you say that because I know for a while uh, when I was first figuring out spiritual practices and how I best connected with God, I kept thinking that the way that it worked for me needed to match everybody else. And Mm -hmm. so there were certain spiritual practices that people that I'm, you know, in my congregation really attached Mm -hmm. to and they just did nothing for me. (laughs) And so then I was left thinking like, what's wrong with me? You know? And and I've kind of felt that way my whole life, honestly, Mm -hmm. uh, with various things where it's like everyone around me thinks this is normal. And everyone around me is saying that this is spiritually edifying and Mm -hmm. what's wrong with me, (laughs) you know? So. Yeah, and, and and it's unfortunate, you know, and, and we both grew up in tradition that had a much limited, much more limited, acceptable, like, number of spiritual practices. There's kind of like, you know, journal writing and um, prayer and scripture reading and like fasting, but like, n- not a lot the, like that, that. That's a pretty short list of accepted spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine if that you couldn't find a home or find a strong connection to God in one of those practices that you might've felt like, well, God is not speaking to me in my life. And I think that that is such a shame because I, I, I've been surprised in experimenting spiritual practices, how God is, is present in so many ways and is present in so many actions of trying to connect with God. And I think for me, that comes back to the fact that like God doesn't leave. And so God is just present. And, um, and that has been so deeply comforting. I agree. And I really like how you just brought this full circle. (laughs) Thank you, Nancy. Um, and again, thank you for joining us on Project Zion. I, I don't even know how many episodes you've been on now. I just keep roping you in to have conversations and it's been great. So I mostly just am here for the conversation. I like talking to you, Brittany. Thanks for listening to Project Zion podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple podcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use, and while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion Podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode 
are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines. Okay, now we'll be done. <laughs>